welcome to another episode of the Red Arrow Health and Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Marco, with my very chilly co-host, Jessica. How's it going, Jessica? It's good. Cold tonight? A little. Little? We're in the basement. I was almost attacked by a giant spider. (laughs) So yes, I'm wearing a sweater, sweatshirt, whatever this is. It's green. It's the one where we were out for your birthday one year or something and you were freezing. We were out in... um, we were actually in, in... It was after we had kid number three. Yeah, we were in Alexandria, Virginia. We took the ferry over to National Harbor. We were having dinner out and everything. It was kind of a misty, rainy night. Yep. Made beautiful clouds, great photos. But you got chilly and we had to go buy a extremely overpriced sweatshirt. It's a nice sweatshirt. It's nice. It's held up really well. It has held He's up well. eight. This is eight years old. So, yeah. But good. for a date night, it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're playing this much for a plain green sweatshirt. But I was cold. Yeah, we're also old. We weren't then. Yeah, we were. Nope. We're so old. We were not old then. All right, uh, not old lady. <laughs> what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a tiny glass of Traverse City whiskey. It's the barrel proof straight bourbon whiskey. It's five years old. That's the one from episode 75. Which 75, 76, 75, 76 were, somewhere in there where the uh, what well, was the first one we did? 75 okay. and 76 are the uh, two halves of really what was essentially one episode. But it was the first one we did. So that's taking flight to our medical mishaps edition. <laughs> that was a fun episode to do. Yeah, there was a lot of drinks. There was a lot of great <laughs> a lot stories. A lot of drinks. A lot of great stories. Yes. Um. Yeah. So that's what I'm having. It's really, really good. It's perfect for sipping. Um. What do you have over there? I have another one that's perfect for sipping. This is from Coppercraft Distillery in Holland, Michigan. And this is their blend of straight bourbon whiskeys. Now, I think on one of the other episodes, I had their straight bourbon whiskey. And that was uh, that was a uh, not a blend. That was the one that has like the black label. This is the, the cream off-white label. Yeah. So this one, though, uh, the, the other one was a gift from uh, Dave from the Hockey League. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think the, the guy's on his team that season this one we picked up we were doing back to school shopping reference to episode 77 that we just put out um but we had mommy daddy time so we were up in uh saugatuck michigan and we had gone out for lunch actually right on the river near the lake um what was the name of that place we were at the mermaid waterfront bar and grill in saugatuck and that's not a not a sponsorship plug they didn't no. sponsor us they didn't comp our meal they they definitely didn't comp our meal we paid <laughs> it was expensive but like, we were out totally but, worth it though totally worth it the pot of gold was one of their appetizer pieces and it's crab and lobster in butter in a jar that you can then spoon out and put on pita pieces i didn't put it on pita pieces i just ate it i put it on pita pizzas and it was freaking amazing and the kids had what something with like bread or something they were eating and it was like compound butter with cinnamon in it. They absolutely and sugar in it. They they absolutely loved that. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good. I had a California burger. I, think, I can't remember what name it was on the menu, but I got it without the bun. So it was basically a cheeseburger with bacon and avocado and everything on it. It was absolutely delicious. I got it with a side salad instead of fries. They had fun tiki drinks. They had amazing drinks. Um, I think I had the main roll, right? There wasn't crab. I don't know. I had basically a lobster roll, and it was amazing. And I ate all the bread, and it was fantastic. And I don't feel bad about it at all. The kids had chicken nuggets, or actually chicken tenders, and burger. I think somebody had a, hop- a hamburger. Somebody had a uh, pulled pork sandwich, which was just heaping. 
Some of them had tots. It was, it was good. And we were along the river, so we got to see the boats going by. And yeah, it was a nice break. But the reason this comes back to what I'm drinking right now is we left, we went around the corner, and they had a Coppercraft there in Saugatuck, Michigan, a Coppercraft tasting room for yes, Coppercraft and then also the umbrella of other uh, labels that they have underneath the, that they own. And actually, the tastes were free. Yes. Of course, I partially felt back. So like, when we're getting free tastes, I mean, I need to buy something. But also, we needed something for our UP adventure, our Upper Peninsula adventure that we were going on that we're going to speak. Uh, and we've got it planned in an episode coming up. Where we're going to talk about the our return to racing, our UP adventure, or another weekend adventure, kind of like we had last year when we went up to Traverse City. Mm-hmm. Well, I was looking. There weren't any UP di- distilleries nearby. Plenty of breweries, but we're like, we need, we need a, we need a whiskey to take with us. So I picked up a bottle of this, and it was this bottle, the the blend of straight bourbon whiskeys. It's a hundred proof. Yes, you're showing me photos from when we were there. Yes, <laughs> yes, it was um, great. Highly recommend it. Made in Michigan. It says right on there, Michigan proud. We took it with. So this was our race weekend, adventure weekend whiskey. We have some left, and so I'm now sipping it. And uh, yeah, it's a good one. It is. Yeah. So, darling, with your whiskey and mine, our Michigan whiskeys. Cheers. Cheers. Whoa. That's nice. Nice and smooth. You know, we don't live like too this. far away from Holland. We could go there. I like this one. I like, I, I also like the Black Label one that Dave got me. Mm-hmm. I like them for different reasons. And honestly, when we were there, the, the reason we went with this one was we'd had the Black Label. We hadn't had the correct the blended one yet, so we got the blended one for the trip. It, uh, I felt kind of bad that they didn't make oh, the, yeah. we didn't put them in our tasting flight of Michigan whiskeys, but if we had put every Michigan whiskey in that tasting flight, we would have never well, made it out of our basement we recording studio. We wanted to try things that we hadn't had before. So we yeah. have like that one where we've got the story about the butcher who chopped his leg off or something his like that. His finger, his dad Whatever. chopped his finger off in the butcher shop, which then became the distillery later on. And yeah. yeah. Anyway. There's more Michigan whiskeys, so we can do another tasting flight of Michigan whiskeys at another time. Yeah, we can. But that's not what this episode is. Nope. No. We are still very much in that window of back to school and everything. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, so this time last year, I was getting prepared to go and start working again. This is kind of like going back to school for the first day. I made you take a first day of work picture of me and everything. Yeah, in front of the door, just like the kids. Mm-hmm. So we can do another one this year if you want. If nope. you want to see where you rank next to it, like are you shrinking next to the bars on the door? I'm pretty sure I'm excited. That sounds like we live in a prison. But, you know, like on the screen door, there's there's the top half, bottom half, the handle, everything, and also the little windows we have on the either side of the door. No, the I, little don't, panels. I don't think we need to do that. We don't want you to see if you're shrinking? I'm not shrinking. No, thank you. Fine. Let's do cheers again. Okay. That was lame. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought about doing this, recording this episode while we were cooking dinner tonight. <laughs> so I've got, you said, when we were working out the menu, like, what do you want, Saturday? And you're like, shrimps. I want the shrimps. I'm like, okay. So we could do it, you know, low we're country. Eat sea- the children. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> They're we're stinky. We're not going to eat them. Um, Low country seafood boil, or we could do po' boys, or we could do all sorts of shrimp tacos. And then I was, you know, I got inspired and decided we're going to do a uh, Thai shrimp tonight. Sweet. And I thought about cooking that up, and then we could discuss this episode while I'm cooking in the background. But we've done, recently done cooking episodes. So, you know what? We'll have that tonight. We'll enjoy it. 
It's going to be over rice for the kids and us. We can put it over our cauliflower rice. Yeah. But it's going to be your red Thai curry. Yeah. So I got my uh, camera open from uh, the pictures from our Saga Tech trip. Oh, you're okay. Yeah. With my camera roll. And I found one of the pictures of a sign I took. The the one that says Welcome to Saga Tech, but it looks like it's from Schitt's Creek. No, not oh. that one. This one is like a menu sign outside, I think, of an ice cream shop. And it says, today's special, the Karen. <laughs> and it's, it's got a description. And it's a vanilla milkshake served with a complaint to the manager. Nice. I think it's so funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't plug the store, though, because I didn't take a picture of the shop sign. So, Oh, well, pure Michigan. Pure Michigan. Pure Go to Saga Tech and find it. I'm sure it's still there. Uh, Saga Tech's a fun town. Dude, it was awesome. Oh, that's right. It was your first time there. Yeah, I'd never been there before. And our kids had never been there before. And they had a blast. Um, like, here's a picture of everybody walking on a rainbow path. It was fantastic well, there. Well, and it's, it's got a lot of art galleries and art shops, but it's also kid-friendly. And they've mm-hmm. got playgrounds. And they had a little artisan art fair type yeah, market Yeah, so apparently Saga Tech has um, a weekly art fair in the summer, which we did not know was a thing when we plan this trip there on a saturday i mean many have described saugatuck as the san francisco of michigan it's midway on the coast of the mitten Mm -hmm. it's very art friendly uh artist friendly um you could even say hippie friendly and it's got that layback vibe but there's a lot going on plenty of businesses plenty of little shops so it's just a vibrant downtown you want to walk around and get the creative juices flowing. It was delightful. Very colorful. Yeah. Plenty of places that, like yep. breweries, distilleries, wineries have tasting houses there. Yeah. I would like to Great. go back there in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we don't have cross country to deal with right now, so. Fantastic. Except now there's no reason for me to go get sushi at Aka. We'll just go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll figure something out. You know, I could... I have I'm in, been tasked with finding the tournaments for the U12 team. I can find something over in the Detroit area if you want, or Jackson, so you can go to Aka. Then the kids will have to come too, and they can eat some sushi. Yeah, there you go. No, I mean they can <laughs> eat. Some, it'll be expensive. Oh, they can pack it away. They can. Have you seen them eat sushi? I have. It's almost you know as bad as me eating so sushi. They're U12. They're 12 <laughs> year olds. We give them their phones. And we turn on movie in the car and we sit by the window so we could stare at them and we're only like 10 feet away. No, we can't do that. We'll and get we'll arrested. A, a bunch of burgers. Nope. Probably. Burgers from where? I don't. There's there's like a Longhorn Steakhouse and there's Burger King. And we can't I'll leave them right in there. the car while we eat sushi. That's not allowed. Can we get our sushi to go? And we'll eat it in the car while they I go. I get it to go, though. Part of it is sitting in there and it's just nice and calm. It's oh, so yeah. calm in there. I saw photos that, that my old team had their first meet um, this past week, and I saw pictures, and it just made me cringe. Not because Why of the is kids. that? Oh, my God. They're wearing the uniforms that I wore 25 years ago <laughs> that are not the school's colors. They match the football team, which has Amazing. its own Amazing. Yeah. And they're ones that have, like, it doesn't even say the school's name. It just says Catholic and great big words. And it's like, you know, when we got them, we're like, um... If we we were a Hebrew school, should it say Jewish down the side? I mean, like, come on. Didn't you order brand new uniforms for the cross country team and the track and field team like three years ago? Uh, I've got multiple deliveries on that over the past six years, now seven years. There are fresh, Fresh shiny new And not only that, then there's the generation before that and the generation before that. And then these are the ones the generation before that. So they've gone and pulled these old crusty uniforms out. Which didn't fit us back then, and guys didn't want to wear, and the girls didn't because they, they were they were the loose traditional style, like basketball type. 
Yeah, uniform. tank top and everything, but like they're not form fitting or spandex, so they were always falling off the shoulders. So they didn't fit us right back then. The guys really weren't big about showing off their chests, which is why I went with more of the, uh, let's say, Under Armour style that were like mm-hmm. cut no sleeveless, mm-hmm. but it's squared off on top. The girls have the racer back ones, and if they wanted the traditional fit, they just wore a larger size. If they want that tighter sprinter feel, they got a smaller size. Now they've got the ones that don't fit anybody. They didn't fit anybody back then, 25 years ago. They don't fit anybody now. So it's like, but they've got, they brought back an old coach from the 80s. So I'm like, wow, we're bringing back all the vintage stuff. The old coach, the old, the old jersey. But you know what? It's his team now. So he can roll with it. But yeah, I looked at him like, oh my God. Are there a lot of kids? Is it that there were more of that uniform available? Oh, hell no. No. Okay. No, there's not. There's more of the ones that uh, I purchased that were in the in the proper colors. Um, mm. But it's also not, if he's an old school coach, he's not going to like the style I got that made the kids more comfortable. So they didn't think about their uniform and they just ran. But whatever. He can roll with it. Um, I just looked at him and it made me cringe more of I hated wearing them as an athlete. Yeah, I'm sure his team will do great this year. It's going to be amazing. Whatever. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers to him. Cheers to him. Cheers to us not having to do it. Yay! So, let's uh, let's shift gears a bit. Um, And that is one of the titles I've had, uh, a position I was paid to do over Mm. the years, was uh, head coach of varsity track and field and head coach of varsity and middle school cross country. Mm -hmm. And that kind of fits in. There was a, uh, a, a thing floating around Twitter a while back. And it was called First Seven Jobs. And, of course, right away, that got people all fired up. Wow, why don't you ask for mother's maiden name and last four of your social? Because that's a big security question. But then again, like for you and me, we don't actually answer the correct. Like, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite first car? We don't actually give the correct answer, which makes it harder to hack our Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I have no problem. You know, I thought this was kind of fun. and I think be- it's fun, too. Because and that, the segue to this is that because those were paid positions. Hey, let's talk about we've had some interesting jobs over the years and we've done a lot and we've kind of accomplished a lot in our professional lives. And we're far from done yet because we're just finally broke into our 40s. Where did this all begin? How did it start? What were the first seven jobs? And this is kind of like also... You know, to spark some memories from our older listeners. Maybe it inspires some of our younger listeners that, you know what, just get your foot in the door. And maybe it's just flat out entertaining. So that's what this episode's going to be. It's the first seven jobs. Mm -hmm. So let's play some segue music and we'll dive into all that. All right, Jess, you ready? Yes. All right, so here's the premise. We've, you know, you and I have done a lot of pro bono work over the years. Yep. We've had a lot of roles. We've done a lot of volunteer positions. The key with this is we're listing off the first seven jobs. They have to be paid jobs, not pro bono, not volunteer, not internships, not community give back, not research assistantships that were unpaid, none of that. Mm -hmm. These are paid jobs we had. Okay, so you've you've got some interesting ones on your list. We've got senior open source intelligence analyst. We've got president. We've got senior life scientist. 
retail stock boy. And well, wait, these aren't my first seven, though. No, these they're not like... your first seven, but you have all of these interesting things on there. So how did you Regular get... warfare Yeah, analysts. I really like that one. Um, how, Assistant how professor you... of psychology. <laughs> how did you get to that point? Well, I, it start, all starts at the beginning. You got to have the first seven. I mean, you, you're a program manager. Yeah, that's you've just been, the name they give their behavior analyst. You've been senior staff uh, behavior analyst. You've had your professional photographer. And how did you get all there? And that's this the first seven. The first seven to kick it off. you got to start somewhere. And like, these people who like come out of like, oh, I've never had a job before. I'm coming out of high school or coming out with my undergrad. And I want to be like senior staff. I want to be CFO. I'm going to be the VP of marketing. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't f- start there. You got to start somewhere. I mean, you aren't chief of research and analysis. That's one I'm like flipping through my list right now. I'm like, yeah, you don't get start there. Okay. You work your way up. So we've got our first seven jobs <laughs> and we'll talk about it and we'll laugh about it. I'm like, oh my God, the crap we did. Mm. So Jessica, number one on your first seven jobs. Babysitting. Of course. It's common for a lot of people, right? Yep. What kind of babysitting jobs do you do? Like so, multiple kids, daycare, oh, people that no. work for your like parents, family, people family you babysitting. Know? Um, it started when I think I was twelve. My mom enrolled me in the YMCA's babysitting course. You got certified to be a babysitter. Isn't and you got like CPR through... and first aid certified, which was the biggest point. Now, for see, isn't that the through class. the the Red Cross offers that too? I don't know. Um, I'm sure somebody still offers it. I think it's a thing for Girl Scouts that the girls can do this year. Um, but are they going to? You're I one think of the leaders. They are. We have it on our to-do list. We'll I'll see. You had COVID. a planning meeting, but you were also at a tiki-themed <laughs> wine bar. You're getting off topic. When you had the plan me- planning meeting. It was a good meeting. I bet it was. We planned some things. <laughs> <laughs> we have a starting point. Um, you guys met. We <laughs> did. There were drinks. We anyway, had a calendar in front of us. Kids weren't there. That's the important thing. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. So I did this class for babysitting, and then I was like, "Yes, I'm a babysitter. Okay, great." Um. And it started with my friend uh, Sarah, and I would. She invited me to go babysit with her when. A oh my god! Family... Imagine that. Two girls born in the '80s named Jessica and Sarah. The two most popular names for like 25 years. Yeah. Um, fun fact, the name Jessica really was the number one name in the country for about 10 years straight in the United States. It was in the top five for like ever 30 for years. Ever. Yeah. Um, yes, it's no longer. You know what it wasn't ever? Marco. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it wasn't. So it started with her. We would go babysit together. And then one day I got a call from this frantic mom and she was desperate to find a babysitter. And she said, I got your name from this girl. And she... I had gotten her name from somebody else and somebody else and then my original babysitter. And I was like, oh, Did you wow. like those girls or were they throwing you under the bus? Was it a chain of well, throwing people under the bus? My friend Sarah is the one who passed my name along. So, And I did like her. And I knew all of the other girls and they were all fine too. You knew like um, half a dozen Sarahs. Okay. Anyway. So I, I took this job and I was like, yes, my first time babysitting all by myself. This is so exciting. Yes. Okay. I get there, it's a house in a really crappy part of, like, a really scary part of town, and I didn't know... we got some know, scary t- parts of town around here, I too. didn't know that that was going to be a thing that was the case. I knew what city it was in, and I was like, yeah, okay, it's probably in, like, a nicer were part. Were there it bars on the windows? Yes, actually, there were. <laughs> um, And it was two little boys, and one was, like, two, and the other one was maybe six. And I was like, okay, not a big deal. And so we're playing games, and we went outside, and... 
We did some stuff. And then at some point, I made the six-year-old mad, and he threatened to shoot me with a gun the next time I came to his house. And at that point... Are talking Nerf gun? Nope. Oh. At that point, I was like, yeah, um, I think that I'm going to call my mother. And I... Because I was... It was dark. The mom was supposed to have been there like three hours before. Um, and the mom was not back yet and I had, I was scared. And so I called my mom and I was like, I need you to come here. I'm so scared. Please come and help me. Baby said these boys are threatening to kill me. And she was like, Jesus Christ, Jessica. Um, so she came, my mom is delightful. She came and she helped (laughs) me babysit these tiny boys. And the mom of the boys finally showed up 11 o'clock at night. She was supposed to have been back at 6 PM. Okay. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, I hope you like the rate increases when you she like, walked in overtime. and she saw my mom and she was like, oh, what is this? And I was like, I'm scared. And your son threatened to shoot me. So I called my mother. Um, and so she paid me and we ran out of there. And I did not babysit by myself again for a very long time. Was your mom scared, too? <sighs> no, my mom was just like, I can't believe you did this. This is just awful. Um, ruined my night. I was going to be out, like, having fun with my friends. I, I was rid of my daughter for the night. My dad made fun of me, though. He's like, that was a pretty wussy thing you just did there. Um, <laughs> I was like, you know what? You understand. Parents are harder on the oldest kid, too. Pretty much. If this had been my brother, my parents would have been like, oh, my God. Don't worry. We'll both come and help you babysit. It'll be fine. Don't worry. We won't make you feel bad That's about this at all. Brother didn't need a job in junior high or high school. Anyways, yep. So, um, I did not babysit again until one of the my dad's coworkers had, um, she had two little babies, and she <sighs> needed a babysitter. And she was at like, that point was she a coworker? Or wasn't she a subordinate? I don't. She's a subordinate always, but still. But the father was a coworker, right? Anyways, that's a fun story for another time. Not something we're going to talk about on this podcast. What we are going to talk about is that one of those little girls that you babysat. Actually, both those little kids you babysat now have children of their own. They do. They have babies. Um, In fact, I'm like doing the countdown of which one of them has the second kid next. I think it's going to be kid number two in that family. I think it's going to be kid number one. Mm -mm. Um, She's she's having like missing babies, bad baby fever. She has a baby. He is... So anyways, I think she's ready for another one. I I was very nervous and I was like, okay, but the last time didn't go so well. And the mom was like... But it's us. You know us really, really well. We live in this town over here, which was absolutely delightful. Um, She's like, just try it once. Okay, it's fine. And so uh, I did. And I love those little kids. I still love them. Um, And I became their babysitter like forever until I basically moved to Florida, I think. Does that essentially make you like a grandparent? I hate you right now. I don't know. And no. You remember when I picked you up from babysitting those little kids once and like the parents had come home and they had been out for a grand old time with your parents and I got like a two hour lecture from the dad. You did. He had been out like your dad got him all wound up in <laughs> face and uh, he gave me a big long lecture of how to treat you right and yep. how dare I because at the point I was majoring in civil engineering. How dare I want to be a damn engineer? Mm. Oh, it would have been terrible. Dad joke pun time right there because damn engineer. Civil engineers, yeah, they build dams. All right. Um, And all that stuff. Oh, yeah. He gave you the dad lecture, which my own father has never given you the dad lecture. I think we've done all right. Yeah, I think so, too. Anyways, it was was very funny. We still talk about that to this day. Anyways, 
That's all right. I like he, the little girl you were babysitting at one point. She was dating a dude, and uh, we were out at your parents' house when they were out in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And uh, this family came out to visit, and the boyfriend who was starting to get a little serious came out on the porch, and like uh, her dad, your dad, and I were out there. Did you do all three of them give him the dad lecture? I had fun just mocking him the entire time and giving her a time. <laughs> he was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like, That's so funny. Yeah. It's like, my um, turn. You're like, yeah, it's doctor. Um, I did, actually. I'm sure that you did. Yeah. I have no doubt that you did because you're a turd. Um, Pretty much. No. So that was that was my first job was just babysitting. How about you? Was yours also babysitting? No, it wasn't. What was it? Taekwondo instructor. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> How, how is it that that was your first job? Well, uh, you know, just like anyone who rises to a position of authority, <laughs> it was through family. <laughs> no, so uh, my I enrolled, my parents put me in Taekwondo when I was in first grade because, of course, Ninja Turtles were a big deal back in the 80s and I was getting bullied because I was really small for my age, kind of like two of our kids. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a few weeks later, my dad joined and we went through and we got our black belts and then eventually... Um, we bought the school because the owner was selling it. Mm-hmm. And so I started off, it was a Taekwondo instructor and also doing maintenance on the building. We were in there Saturdays. We had to scrub and clean and shampoo carpets. And I was doing all this stuff as like an 11 year old, but also I had to teach. We didn't have a lot of instructors. And so, you know, it was a little bit weird when I get full grown adults, like we don't want to listen to this 11, 12, 13 year old. Did you classes. punch them in the nose? when No, they did that? I just taught it. And like, you know, my dad's like, you either listen to them or you don't because this is, he knows his uh, and I started when I was seven, and uh, I was got the rank of, let me see, when I was 10 or 11, I got assistant instructor. I think I was 13 or 14. I got instructor. Uh, sometime in high school, I re- reached the rank of master. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I taught uh, Taekwondo classes, and it was fun. We'd have we'd have black belts. they get pissed off at me because we would do sparring, and which was not my dad's specialty. So, like, my brother and I taught classes, and we specialized in things that, like, my dad didn't like. And didn't do. And so between the three of us, we covered the bases, but we would do sparring. And, um, you know, I was also a wrestler and we had uh, had side training in other martial arts and in boxing. And yeah, like we would do sparring and I would do the entire five minute round standing on one leg. Like I would never put my foot down, which really pissed off when you're like somebody in their 40s or 30s. It's like, put your leg down. No. (laughs) I'm on one leg. I'll just hop around this whole time. Come get me. Uh, But also part of it was it leveled the score because they can bob and weave and I just had to hop. But, you know, that was part of like making it fair. You know, little kids, I'd get down on my on my knees. It's like now I really can't freaking move. But uh, yeah. Did you ever get injured? Once. uh, I was in middle school and sparring kid he was uh he was a high schooler and he did not really have the control um but my dad didn't really school school them and he did a spinning hook kick so he caught me with his heel with full velocity and spin right behind my jaw popped my jaw out uh dislocated it it was before we were wearing headgear and everything in sparring and i think it was one of the last times i ever got hit sparring either too but when you have braces and you got to go into the orthodox, you cannot open your mouth. Like I had two weeks of basically eating through a straw. Mm-hmm. Um, it was rough. The hard part for me understanding as a rough. kid and as an employee, as a kid and, yeah, and an employee and everything was like, 
My dad immediately rushed over to the kid that hit me and was consoling him. And I'm like, I can't speak. I can't talk. I can't open my mouth. I'm injured. But we have to make the customer feel better. And, you know, there was a lot that I got out of that first job of learning business, learning um, customer relations, but also teaching. I mean, teaching has been part of and instructing has been part of my life, whether it be as a professor, as it would be a coach or whatever thing, or a Taekwondo instructor that's been with me a long time. But that's also something that hit pretty hard is like, holy, I just got like kicked in the face and my jaw came out of joint. Yeah. And, um, I mean, yeah. Yay. Well. But that's how I started off. Okie dokie then. Okie dokie then. <laughs> What's number two for you? How do, how do you go from babysitter to program manager, senior behavior analyst? Beats me. This isn't it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it all adds into it. It's part of the story. Oh, it's for sure part of the story. The journey. So job number two. I was 16. I got in a car. I was like, I need a job. That's what you do. And our downtown area in the town that we grew up in was delightful. And there was this fun little store down there. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was called Tootie and Dreamers. And this was fun. This was such a fun store. They they had like this gigantic um, glass case full of every single type of like basically essential oil you could think of. But instead of trying to cure medical ailments with it, and psychological disorders with those essential oils, they were making like bath salts and bubble baths and massage oil and shampoo and conditioner and lotion and everything. So I found out that they were hiring through a friend. Um, it turns out that she was the niece of the owner of the shop. And I went and applied and I got hired and I was so, and I was so excited. And this, it turned out that it, this was very much, um, I got hired because of a case of it's all in who you know, because um, I guess there were a lot of kids from our high school who applied because, again, this story was so much fun. Um, and the the lady was like, I don't know which one to pick. They're all teenagers. They all have no experience. Who who do you like from this pool of applicants? And like I said, I was friends with this girl. She was like, oh, this one, this one, this one and this one. So we all got hired. Um, and I was so jazzed because I was like, yes, I'm going in. I'm going to learn how to make lotion. This is going to be so amazing. Mm-mm. Turns out that we were all hired because Tootie and Dreamers was opening a little bistro in the back of the store. And so we were hired to be servers and dishwashers and food prep cooks. That was never on my to-do list of jobs. I have never wanted to work with food, ever. I certainly have never wanted to wash dishes. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just not a life experience I expected to have. What was your official title? Kitchen just employee of 2D and Dreamers. <sighs> Whatever, I'm going to bleep that so out. This is weird. Whatever, um, the whiskey's good. So like we show up for training all expecting to learn how to make body scrubs and she's like, okay, this is how you make this sandwich and this is how you brew coffee and this is how you do but this first, and that. let me light some incense to cover the pot smell on me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Moving on. So, Move on with the story. So yeah, we're like there and I, it turns out that I really suck at waitressing. I can't brew coffee because word i yeah um i seriously the the machine like there was a button you had to push <laughs> no just, just listen. 
there's a button to push. <laughs> you had to push the button. And I didn't know. Like, she she went over the process for starting the coffee, but not how to turn it off. And she never mentioned it will. It's eventually going to run out of water. No, just listen. Okay. She never told us it will auto turn off. Don't panic. Well, I panic over everything. And so this thing is full to the top. And it was like, oh, it's still going. What do I do? What do I do? I'm going to push the button again, thinking it will turn it off. Mm-mm, nope. It started to brew more coffee. So then there was a flood of coffee and I got in a lot of trouble for that. And then I had to wash dishes. And then after that, um, I think I lasted like three months at this job. And then I was politely told, you know what? We don't actually have you anything suck. else for you. So we'll call you if we need you. And that was the end of me working at Tootie and Dreamers. Yay. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> what is your job number two? Hot dog street vendor. <laughs> okay. You might say I was a uh, tube steak a subject matter slinger. expert. I was a winger sling- slinger. <laughs> I had plenty of like women come up to me from the beach in their bikinis Jesus. going, so I'm interested in your wieners. Yep, I'm sure you did. Do you offer mayo with your wiener? That was one that I got asked a lot. We specialized in Chicago style hot dogs. So we had a old, like it was like a tricycle. It was a bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the owners that had it, the, the story behind it was my sister was dating this guy and his oldest sister was coming home from college. It was spring. The school store she worked at in the mall closed. She needed a job. Her dad was reminiscing when he was a kid in Chicago and the street vendors. And he was kind of a handy guy and he was worked for the fire department. So he went back in his barn and he fabricated this hot dog cart, shall we say. And so she did it. Her next oldest sister or the next oldest sister didn't do it. But then uh, the the oldest son did it for a while. And along the way, um, they actually opened up like a food cart trailer. This is before the food truck blitz. Yeah, this is way back. Uh, And so my sister starts dating this guy in high school. And uh, he was running the trailer down at one of the beaches. But his brother had the cart downtown in the town we were growing up on Mm -hmm. and so he needed an assistant to make change and grab sodas and everything but this is michigan so it's pop i'll watch your face explode right now because you hate that turn but that's what they call it here and it's uh, soda whatever so she worked there with the older brother for a while then when he graduated college the younger brother they they sold the trailer and he started working with his girlfriend Towards the end of that, though, they were getting ready to get married, and she was doing, my sister was doing an internship at Yale. Mm-hmm. And so somebody had fill in, and I was in junior high, so I went and jumped in and worked the summer there. So my main job was uh, doing all the money, basically being the cashier, but also restocking everything and doing the sodas while he quickly, you know, in about 20 seconds could do a full Chicago-style hot dog. Nice. Which, if you don't know, a Chicago-style hot dog is a... Uh, a steamed poppy seed bun with an all beef uh, hot dog. To be poppy seed. Yeah, to be a Chicago style. Then you put in on mustard, no ketchup, just mustard, uh, onions, sweet relish. And if you're doing it right, you get the Vienna sweet relish that is like glow in the dark green. Dill pickle spears, tomato slices, sport peppers, and then celery salt's the secret ingredient. And then you roll it in a little piece of paper and. There you go, like a parchment paper. Uh, so I worked there for several years, and we would trade off, and sometimes I was the one making it. And there is there is an art to it to make sure you put the right amount of everything on there. You can go fast. But, yeah, we worked outside, and 
that was a fun little summer job. My brother. And if there was leftovers, like, it's like, oh, we have eight left in here. Oh, he ate hot dogs so we can go home. <laughs> My brother loved those hot dogs so much. Every single summer, we would have to go down there at least once to get hot dogs. I am positive that I saw you before. I'm I don't sure remember did. it. Clearly, you don't remember it either, but I'm, I had to have. So that's fun. Did you have any? So many jokes about you like my wiener. Okay. You're going to cut that out, right? Yeah. Okay. Did you have any interesting characters that would come to the hot dog cart? In this town? Yeah. There's so many weirdos. Like, look, we have. So this town has per capita, the, the percentage of banks is through the roof. The percentage of lawyers is through the roof. And the percentage of weirdos is through the roof. I don't know if we've got, because we've got a power plant 20 miles to the north and a power plant 20 miles to the south, that we have so many high uh, voltage transmission lines oh, that we got. Did you like, have melon heads come through the hot dog no. cart? Is that what you're saying? We just had all sorts of weirdos. I mean, we had, of course, growing up, we had Slippery Bob, who now has a beer named after him. Slippery Bob was a weird, yeah, weird and we had very b- disgusting man. Yes, because you'd always try to buy panties from the, the high school uh, girls working at the various the used stores. The panties got you more money. Um, and, uh, and it's weird cause so many of them like when we were little, it was like, oh my God, it's a town creep. And then a guy was like, oh, it's slippery Bob. And like, yeah, he's just, been romanticized. And yes. There was booby Bob. Booby Bob is my favorite. Which was, uh, um, basically cross-dressing. He would, he would have a wig. He had, um, big old sandbag, uh, fake boobs you want and you knew they were there because sometimes it was so high he took the shirt off and you could see this thing that went around his neck almost like those things that are full of like the little beans you put in the microwave when you got a sore neck and they smell good yeah only then it came down and it had these giant it was sandbags sandbags i I saw them yeah frequently um and earrings and stuff and actually when it got really hot sometimes he would just have the sandbags on the earrings and take the wig off Mm-hmm. But uh, he, there was him. There was just several other characters. We had this uh, one homeless woman that was would sleep on the bench, and then the the police would go escort her, like basically pick her up, take her to the edge of town, and drop her off. She'd work her way back downtown. She used to come down, get a hot dog with a little bit of mustard. Everything. So little. What do you want? A little bit of mustard. <laughs> um, but even like the. But even because we have several major corporations around here, they'd come down, and you get to know like. The ones in sales, we had the salesperson special. That wasn't an official thing on the menu, but it's like, I want a Chicago dog, no hot peppers, no onions. Or we get the engineers that always come down and like, I need three Chicago dogs fully loaded and a Diet Coke. Like That's important. Yeah. As a teenager, I'm like, yeah, because the Diet Coke makes it all okay. It does. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, there was all sorts of characters and we, you know, we'd have the people come up from the beach in the tiny little bikinis, you know. Making wiener jokes. Making wiener jokes, trying to make us blush. I I usually cracked first and would blush first because I was like fifteen. You blush. 15. I did back then. <laughs> At this point, as a how many years in psychology, I've heard it and seen it all. Or even Me though, too, or the or the work turns out the years working in Intel and you know Defense Department stuff. Yeah, I've like heard it and seen it all. But back then, yeah, I was a nice little Catholic boy back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um all sorts of stuff yeah and then of course we used to have the local festival the venetian festival and oh my god the the dude that kept coming up for more and more and he had two tattoos no shirt on he'd been out in the sun drinking all day kept coming up for more hot dogs but he had two tattoos 
on his chest. One above, an arc above one nipple said sweet, and the other one said sour. <laughs> Along with the dude that came up, and he was wearing a Speedo, and he had um, a squirrel running up one thigh tattooed on, and then the other one it was a squirrel running down the other thigh nice. with walnuts in his mouth. <laughs> so yeah, I've seen it all I, you know, down there. That's hilarious. It was a, quite the awakening. So I did that for a few years, and then um, uh, my sister ended up marrying that guy for a while, and they moved away, and I had to work with his dad. Oh, my God. Old, retired fireman. And I'm a high school, middle school kid somewhere around there. And I'm getting everything from, he's like, well, that's that's an old glory. I'm like, what's an old glory? He's like, that's one where you wrap a flag around her head and do her forgotten country. I'm like, oh, my God, I am too young to hear this. Serious yes. Right that was the kind of stuff. Yeah. Meanwhile, I also through that period, I also had the, the meter maid from the police department coming on and hitting on me to which at one point they're like, you should go to jail. And she's like, why? She's like, he's. 15 he can't even drive a car that you're like ticketing i remember that meter maid yeah she was horrible she very was very good at her job but horrible she got went to a party and got drunk and hooked up with a dude in a bush and ended up having to get uh she got poison ivy <laughs> 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 she came over and she was covered in calamine lotion or whatever <laughs> she was asking for advice dog. and they're like they're and the other people <laughs> around were giving advices on how to clear it up and i'm like don't get drunk and roll around in bushes Silly me. Anyway, that was that was a job. <laughs> At one point, I turned fifteen. I had my moped license, my operator license. Did so you have I, a moped? I had a Honda Spree. Well, topped out at thirty-five miles an hour. That's amazing. Going down to work to go sling hot dogs. Yeah, whatever. I thought it was a bad. At fifteen, because my sure friends couldn't drive. Did. Nope. Hilarious. What's your uh, What's your number three? <laughs> Factory card outlets. Oh, my God. What is factory card outlet? Does it even exist anymore? Mm, I'm pretty sure it does not. Okay. Maybe there's one store. Le- I don't I don't think what it exists was it? anymore. It was a party supply store. Um, they were known. And not like having... a Michigan party store where they serve booze. No, and no, no, no. This is like balloons and party favors and plates and napkins and everything okay. that goes with throwing a birthday party Kinda or a like wedding. Party City. That one's pretty popular. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that <laughs> I... Party City is basically factory card outlet, only better and on steroids. So we were known for our, what were they, like 8-cent cards, 12-cent cards? I don't know. Something like that. I they didn't go really, in there to buy cards. I went in there to talk to you. Yeah. Um, really, really cheap cards. And then we had our wall of balloons, and there were the helium tanks back there, and we would make balloon bouquets, um, which are wildly popular for graduation, Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, and oddly enough, not Father's Day. Nope. Um, but we also had the plates and the napkins with the different themes. So if you're so kid, graduation season was probably huge. Oh yeah, graduation season. There were balloon bouquet orders all day, every day for the entire summer. Um, but birthday parties. So first birthday, you had the little elephant theme, or you had Sesame Street, or you had, um, I don't know, teddy bears or something. And then for the older kids, you had all of the really popular cartoons. So I think SpongeBob was really popular for a while. And uh, Blue's Clues was another really big one. All that good stuff. Cars, Lightning McQueen. Very. Ka-chow. Yeah, ka-chow. Lightning McQueen. Um, ka-chow, baby. Ka-chow. So I did that for like all through college. This was my first job after my first year at college. It was great. 
Um, my coworkers were nice. My boss was super nice. It was like retail shift work. It wasn't hard. It was easy to work a cash register. What I hated, though, was Wednesdays were senior citizens days. And all, all of the old ladies would come in because we already had cheap cards to begin you know, with. You know, when, when they say that some people should have their license taken away at yep. a certain age, all they should people. also, your ability to operate a shopping cart should be taken <clears> away at some point, too. Yep, and so all the old ladies would come in. I mean, in. I kind of mean that facetiously, but I kind of also, when you go shopping and you just want to get in and out, and it's like, my life. Just get out of the way. Okay, all of the old ladies would come in, though, and they would grab a shopping cart, and they would fill it to the top. With junk. Full of, nope. Full of every single birthday card, Christmas card, sympathy card, wedding, whatever kind of card they needed. And they would buy them all on Senior Citizen Day because they got a discount. And then, like, I would tell them, You're, this came out to, like, twenty two seventy three. So then they would take their gigantic purse and they would pull out the world's biggest change purse and flop it on the table. And then they would say, oh, God, I have so much change. It just makes my purse so heavy. Hold on. Let me count out all of this money for you in pennies and nickels. If you're lucky, maybe dimes. No. Pennies and nickels. And so I would have to stand there while the line grew, while this old person counted out $27 or whatever um, I in pennies. I think need to call them chronologically gifted. Sure. Um, yeah, but no, it really was. It was a fun job. It was It was easy. It paid well. So I, I liked it a lot. I did it for four years. That was great. Um, yeah, so that was my, my third job. I have nothing bad to say about that job. Which is weird. So Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. So that was my number three. What's your number three? So I've had the bad positions of Taekwondo instructor, self-defense instructor, you know, whatever. And hot dog, street vendor, wiener, slinger, as you put it. I actually hadn't heard that term before. You're welcome. Yeah. Street meat. Okay. Yeah. Work the corner. I actually did work on a I'm corner. I'm sorry. Were you a hot dog maker or a gigolo? Uh, I wasn't a gigolo, that was for sure. You sure? I don't know. Give it up with the terms there, buddy. My my meat was quite popular. Okay. Yeah, the tube steak. Anyway, number three. Let's go, Catholic boy. Yeah, babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, and this kind of also ties into when my sister moved away, a family she was babysitting for was a friend of hers, and they had two little girls at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, it also turned out that the uh, the family, the dad was a volunteer firefighter or a part-time firefighter, which so I tied into the family I was doing hot dogs with. The wife was friends with uh, my sister, but also was the department secretary for my dad. Mm-hmm. And he led the department. Um, and it wasn't like it was my dad's secretary. It was like the whole department used this administrative assistant. And so I babysat her, her two kids um yeah so i did child care with nice. two little girls played a lot of sorry and um what's the one concentration with the one where like the one that gives you an anxiety disorder yeah anxiety attack mm-hmm. you put it in you got to pull the put the shapes in before the whole thing just pops out it's like oh my god this is why i've got issues yes um but we played we played sorry we played we tried mousetrap and never worked of course because nope works for anyone never so there's not much to tell it that was the only family i babysat for ever everywhere um i am surprised that you but, got that job because you're a boy and most people prefer yeah, to hire girl they, babysitters they absolutely uh, apparently loved me 
um, because I sat and I, I played games with them all night. And like awesome. they love watching Three Stooges, so we put on three old Three Stooges videos what? on VHS because that's how long ago it was. This is the only family I ever babysat for. I basically got paid because um, they were out with my sister spending all their money. Um, like, also, fun. I got paid for my babysitting because I adored the family, and I was like, I'm not going to charge you. My- I'm going to charge you two dollars an hour per it kid. Was, it so. was it was it was money, and then I just turned around and blew it when I would go out on a date or whatever. It's because it was you know like we're it's going babysitting out babysitting money, babysitting money, and we turn around and we go out and. Um, Go to a movie. Cool. Yeah. Usually like the uh, the cheap theater down in Niles too, because it had it was the old vintage theater and it had like oh, yeah. it had the lower level and the upper Does level. Does that still exist? No. I went I mean, and saw Jurassic Park number two in that theater. The building still exists. Uh they had two vintage theaters in this area. One is now um does art films down mm. in Three Oaks, and the other one was mm. down in Niles, and that was when we used to go to. It was it was kind of kind of fun to go there, but um no, it's not open That's as far as bad. i know what's your number four okay number four is also a retail job i worked at a store called casual corner oh my god did you like just have to wait on old people all the time um pretty much do we know anybody who was under the age of 30 shopping at casual corner no unless they were trying to dress no. like they were over 50. unless you were like entering your very first professional job and then you came there and you didn't suits, know how to dress for it because yeah. their suits actually were very lovely actually you had some didn't you i do it's still in my closet it doesn't fit anymore because i used to be extremely tiny and so that back suit in fashion is extremely when, um, tiny kid one can fit it no it's actually it still holds up so like if it fit i would wear it today Anyway, tell us about this job. Um, so this is a fun job. I this was at the mall that is completely turned in this area. Yeah. So casual corner, just for fun. Um, that store does not exist anymore, but its sister Anywhere? store. Nope. What was the sister store? The sister store still exists, and that is Lane Bryant. Oh, okay. Yeah, but casual corner is gone. Um, so I. So like casual corner sold the clothes, and Lane Bryant sold the stuff that went under the clothes. No, they they have clothes at Lane Bryant, not just underwear. underwear. Nope. Okay. They have everything. It just serves. Um, are they owned by a parent company? Are they part of the limited brand? No, they're not part of a limited the limited brand. They are part of a parent company though, and I just don't remember what it was called. But we oddly enough, your aunt, her husband, used I have to a lot work. Of aunts. Your aunt, that's a doctor. Oh. Her husband and I had a super fun conversation because that summer when I was working there. Uh, you had a family reunion, and he and I got to talking about how we both worked for Casual Co- Corner. He was like a buyer or something, or higher higher up in the company, and obviously I was doing floor sales. Um, but that was pretty fun, because he was talking about how they planned their lines like a year and a half in advance, and so I thought that was very fascinating. Um, fun with tangent. Trends and Do you know, you know how they colors. met? No. So he went Casual into, Corner? No, he went in to see her, and she was, his doc- was the doctor. Oh, that's funny. And she's like, I don't, he tried to ask her out and she's like, I don't need patience. So then he went back in because at that point he was, he, he worked in sales. Yeah. Uh, so he went back in as a medical pharmaceutical rep coming in doing samples to meet with the physician who was running this medical clinic. Cause I mean, she started off as she was a physician, but then she ended up starting a clinic and then a branch of clinics and she's got quite the medical empire. Mm-hmm. Um, but he went back in that way. And then in addition to trying to like sell whatever crap, you know medical stuff uh he asked her out yeah and they got married they're delightful they are hilarious um they love salsa dancing yes anyways so i got this job uh the summer after my sophomore year of college which if you have listened to one of the two medical mishaps 
episodes, <laughs> um, you will remember that I managed to set my hand on fire and had a severe second and third degree burn. That's hot. Um, yeah, it was hot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Hot and ugly. Um, so I actually went to the interview for this job with my hand wrapped up in like 17 layers of gauze. Um, and it a very cute, trendy outfit. So I was like, this is going to help me get this job. And it turns out the boss that hired me, she was absolutely delightful. Was it your very delightful. own Devil Wears Prada moment? Yes. Okay. It was. But fortunately, it wasn't actually like working for Anna Winter, which is good. Uh, because you were she's re- quite Anyway. Um, no. So, but anyway. it was, it was a fun, it was a, it was a fun little job. I loved it when the new stuff would come in because you get to take it out and then you got to play like fashion parade with it and make window outfits and, and things like that. Um, but that was a one summer job because after that I was very disillusioned with the whole thing. Um, the assistant manager was not very nice and she kept cutting my hours because she didn't like me. And that's okay because I didn't like her either. But my boss at Factory Card Outlet sure did love me and kept giving me all the hours I wanted. So it was fine. But um, I did I did stick it out for the entire summer. I didn't mind that, that your good. hours got cut because it meant more time that we could go out. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that was my job number four. Um, it was fun. I learned a lot. I learned how to put an outfit together. Mm. What was yours? Obviously, if I'm going from Taekwondo instructor to hot dog street vendor to babysitter, and then I eventually transitioned later in life into behavior analyst and working with kids and working with adults and being a psychologist, Mm -hmm. obviously the next logical step is CAD technician. Sure. Computer-aided drafting. Okay. No, this is a job. uh, (laughs) uh, I was talking to one of my dad's friends, because he had a whole team of guys who did CAD, uh, computer-aided drafting, basically draftsmen, but they don't use that term anymore. It's not PC. Drafts people? Whatever. Mm, okay. Anyway, uh, um, we were doing CAD, and uh, he had a whole team, and I'm like, you know, I'm going off to school for engineering, and slinging meat on the corner doesn't uh, doesn't exactly look great on a resume. Can I get a job with you for the following summer? And then about a week later, he's like, Go to this place at this time, fill out an application. They're going to make you go piss in a cup, and I'll hire you. So I I was contracted in, and I got on his team. Now, I was supposed to be 18 or over to go work there. He waived it. He got uh, HR to waive it because the, the kids I was babysitting, their mother was the administrative assistant for my dad's department, but their grandmother, their paternal grandmother, was the head of HR for that building. And her boss used to come down for hot dogs. He's like, oh, I know Marco. He's cool. So uh, they hired me midsummer. who you know. So I would go in in the morning. I would do CAD. I would leave around 1030, go out to my car change, or in the bathroom or wherever and change into my T-shirt and shorts, sling my meat on the corner, and then get changed and come back stinking of hot dogs and mm. work until late in the evening. And then when school started, I would uh, go to little Catholic school, get out. And actually, my seventh hour. Was my this la- your senior year? Yeah, my last okay. year. Uh, last hour of the day was drafting. So we're learning how to do drafting by hand. And then I would go in and work on basically the Cadillac of CAD programs and do it at work. It was kind of fun because after I'd been there for a week or two, my dad comes in to see his, his friend and he's like, Looks at me like, what What are you doing here? I'm like, I work here now. <laughs> it's hilarious, too, because I was one floor above him, too. 
Um, but it was great because this is back when like they had meetings, things got catered, they had a cafeteria, and so he'd have this cart of food and like leftovers he used to bring in to all the CAD guys. Most of them were going to college. I was a seventeen year old when I started. They like so you would eat all the food. Yeah, but the other thing was like the HR people were willing to look the other way on my age. Um, but I also had people come up because my my office just had my first name on it, and it just said Marco. And so like we'd have engineers come in and about the senior old guy engineer, senior manager, because he was the head of global uh, laundry. laundry production and laundry engineering at that point. And they'd about this guy, um, who was my dad. <laughs> and like, I make fun of these guys. They come in and like, they also need help, not just like doing some CAD work, but like, you know, actual engineering work and helping do the calculus on their stuff. I'm like, I'm taking high school calculus. And so I'm it's do- fresh in your mind, unlike fresh them. My, unlike them, who are like, but yeah, but they're like two years out of college. So it should be fresh in their minds. It too. Should be fresh in their but minds. It's not. And then they're b-ing about this old guy, who's my dad. That's so funny. Yeah, but I didn't say that because they come back into my office. I'm back there, and like we had the overhead lights off, and then we had lights underneath our um, our cabinets. We had like bookcase cabinets, so it, ca- it was easier on the eyes. But I also had a lava lamp going. So they come also, back in. you don't look like your dad. Like, I, I would never guess that you belong to him. So it was fun to listen to them about my dad um, <laughs> as I'm sitting there. And they're also coming back. And I'm just... You had a lava lamp in your office? I had a lava lamp in my office. We had, like, mood lighting. I was a converted conference room with no windows. So it was... Yeah. Uh, it was very weird. So I'm 17. I start working there. I have to get trained on CAD. This was before I had a drafting class, but I had had plenty of art classes, too. And I mm-hmm. understood engineering. Um. The first thing, our primary task was uh, modeling. We were doing 3D models and engineering drawings for all of the threaded fasteners that this corporation was using. And they were using over 10,000 threaded fasteners. And the thing was to model them and then try to reduce how many were being used to save costs. Now, a threaded fastener, obviously, that's a, a bolt, a nut, a screw. Uh, the woman who trained me and most of them were going to the local community college for, for drafting. It, it, and we had this one woman, her daughter was doing, um, she was a race, did race horses. She was a jockey. So that was kind of fun. We get to hear about that. Uh, most of them were younger guys who were going to school, but this one was this woman who was working on her second or third or whatever career. And she was a former exotic dancer. Her, her dancer name was Bubbles. Bubbles. So I went to high school with the bubbles. Yeah, that was different. <laughs> this bubbles, mm-hmm. this bubbles trained basically taught me how to do my first screw. <laughs> yep. Insert all the jokes and Did fun she things. Now? Did she now? Yeah, it was very odd because this was the 90s. And so every time we had a team meeting, Jesus they actually Christ. ended the meetings with, okay, and now we're going to go around the table and everyone tell a dirty joke. And I'm 17. And like we had one guy who was already retired, twice retired. And he actually got mad every time they gave him a raise because he cut his hours because it cut into like his retirement and Social Security and tax bracket and everything. And then there's little old me. <laughs> yeah. And so I got a former stripper. And we got you know, all sorts little of stuff. Little old you, Catholic boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was it was an interesting job, uh, but it was good in terms of getting my foot in the door in the engineering world and the corporate world, too. And this is unlike Casual Corner. This is a major corporation that still exists in this area. To be fair, Casual Corner was a big thing. Yes, but this one's a big thing that still exists. This is a global corporation with a world headquarters in this local area. Yes, it does. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, so yeah. 
that was fun. And then I went to college and had to do CAD in college. And it was like, this software sucks. I'm used to like working on a Ferrari and now I'm using a Yugo. Oh, Jessica, number five for you. County Road Commission. Oh, really? What'd you do at the County Road Commission that is now the County Road Department? It works with you. Yeah. Um. So you had worked there forever in college and you like it was your super senior year leading into my senior year and um actually, actually just, you had just graduated i had just wrapped up my senior you had senior to finish year. a stats class or something like that yeah. over the summer but you had graduated and you were like how about i get you a job at the road commission i was like you can't they're not gonna hire me this is ridiculous i can't even use a ruler how are you going go, to get me go a job be on there? the survey crew hold a stick you don't even have to do right. the smart end of the tape and measure. i was like well i can hold a stick Okay, that's fine. All right, Get some do it. Sun. So I applied. You put a plug in for me. They adored you there. Get get paid a lot more than you were at uh, factory car outlet. Yes, it was significantly more. I was so happy. Um, but they they were like, "Oh, Marco is recommending this person. Done, hired." Um, so I started working there. And since you, uh, they they were waiting for you. You had your class. Um, but they said, "Well." Uh, it was like we it cut this, into the summer by two right weeks. they yeah. didn't want to put me on the survey crew because they had another guy for that and that guy was very good and they were like well we'd have to completely re- retrain this girl and we already have this guy so i think what we're gonna do is we've got this special project looking at a uh, flow from drains around the county uh i think we're gonna put you and marco on that but it doesn't start until like three weeks into the summer and so you got to be the number two on the survey crew for a few weeks. Yeah. Pink things pink. Yeah. Um, but that w- the survey stuff didn't actually happen until the end of the summer. Before that, though, before our project started, the head engineer had me in his office redoing his entire file cabinets. And he had been there for like 30 years. And he wanted all of his newspaper clippings and all of these like memos and faxes and things organized by date and they had to be in the file in a very certain way and i was like okay so i basically spent my first three weeks working at the county organizing a file cabinet and then our project started and that was a lot of fun because we got to go stomp around our county and examine any drains that had fluid coming out of them in ravines and along beaches and in the middle of freaking nowhere. Um, Little it was boat rides with spiders. We've talked about this. Boat rides with spiders. Um, it, was, it was pretty fun. Yep. Until the map flew out the window. And then we had to try and find the map. And instead we found porn. And how to do a vasectomy. Yes. Instructions for... Was it a vasectomy or oh, it was a prostate vasectomy. exam machine? Nope, it was a vasectomy. Okay, but we also found like awesome porn in dot matrix printer. <laughs> Black yes. and white dot matrix printer, like hardcore porn. We brought it back. We're like, somebody needs to go clean up the highway because this wait, is Wait, 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 you got to finish the story because like it makes it sound like because boy, I had a good time looking at this. Ew, no. No, it was terrible. Um, oh my god, it was it was, it was dirty, dirty, it was dirty porn. Very, very bad. Yeah, very bad. Nothing appealing about that porn. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was my experience with the County Road Commission <laughs> and my job number five. That was a one summer thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What oh. was your number five? 
<laughs> number my number five is actually a five summer stint. Oh, is yours the road at the, at the Bar- Barron County Road Commission? Fantastic. Um, so I was in my freshman year of college and got in at you know they do take summer interns a lot of times it's like oh holding the signs you know yeah. doing flagger or mowing lawns and stuff but i got in in the engineering department because i was a civil engineering major at the time and i originally started out at the survey crew but uh quickly like the in the summer though the main engineering techs didn't want to do construction inspection on the weekend so i would go do it because the way i got paid was and i got paid well Yep. But on top of it, it was mandatory time and a half, anything over eight hours for the day, not mm-hmm. 40 hours a week, eight hours a day. And weekends and holidays were mandatory time and a half. So this is like money. And like, oh, it's a weekend. They're doing, they're hauling in just gravel for a project. So the truck comes in, you sign off on it and good to go. And that's how I got into construction inspection. Or like, hey, we got some materials, do some sampling and bring it back to the lab. It's a rainy day wash and weigh and the gravel like ooh, I'm washing dirt but you know whatever i paid <laughs> paid well and i was on the survey crew and then i was getting more and more construction inspection experience while i was also taking my classes part way through a couple of years in uh they had a massive turnover in staff and suddenly i went from being the intern to the most experienced um engineer tech on the field engineer on the staff so suddenly i'm getting projects that last a few weeks and you do several of those or one and a half million or $3.2 million projects. And I'm 21 years old. I'm the youngest guy on the staff. I'm the lowest paid guy on the staff because I'm the summer intern, but I've got the most experience to do these kind of projects. And then it finally got down to the fifth year and I'm like, I just want a easy year. And I went to the, uh, the engineer manager because they had a changeover in chief engineer. And he's like, you know, we got this this new environmental engineering project, and you got to go out and do a survey, and that'd be perfect for you. Because I'm like, I just want to work on the f- survey crew. Mm-hmm. He's like, go do this one. We'll we'll let you loose. We trust you. We'll let you go go do it. And but if you fall over in one of these ravines, the radios don't work. So you take the new girl with you. It was uh, because then they don't have to train a new survey person. The other one <laughs> guy on the survey had already done the summer. Right. And yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, she's my girlfriend, right? And this was like a couple weeks before we got engaged. And they're like. That's not a problem, is it? Like, nope, not if it's on you. So we're reporting to a team in Grand Rapids, which is over an hour away. They didn't give a what we were up to. They gave us a van and we're out. Just spent the summer cruising the county and going for long walks on the beach looking for pollution. Coming out of dreams. Yeah, pretty much. It's so, pretty cool, though, because we had like a little mobile chemistry experiment set that oh, we got yeah. to play with. It was great. And a camera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. GPS. Yep. Yeah. And a map that flew out the window. Jessica, number six. Number six. Where did you move on from? From doing environmental studies with me out in the woods in steel-toed boots and bright orange vests. Number six is when I did my very first practicum at uh, while I was at Western. At school. At school. Mm-hmm. A, no, a school. Yes, at a You were school. in college, but you went to a school. Yep. It was a very well-known school. We're um, not going to name it. But in Southwest not. Michigan, yes. Um, It served, though... Uh, clients with autism and i was specifically in the pre-primarily in primary impaired classroom which basically means we serve toddlers and preschoolers the cute kids and it was the most glorious thing after my first two weeks that i've ever done (laughs) and i will tell you 
like I signed up for this practice. I had no intention of working with kids with autism at all. I said like my freshman year of high of college, I was in general psych and my TA was up there. Wait, to be he, fair, in gen- freshman year of college, you want to be pre-med anyway. Yeah, but I took psych because it's easy. Well, it's yeah, an easy A. Um, it's an easy A until you want to go to grad school for it. And then it's like the most difficult major. It's not hard. Well, for us, but it becomes significantly more difficult when you want to go to college for it. So you take electives and do teaching assistant and research assistant and run side projects. And that's just it's ours. It's not hard, though. Well, for us, the only hard thing that I found about being a psych major and a grad student was stats because it's math, math. I taught stats. Okay. Anyway, congrats on being a bigger nerd than I am. Anyways, so the time I this at what? At the time that I uh, got to the point where I needed to take a practicum, I had ditched pre-med and I was like, it. I'm just going into psychology. Um, the plan was, though, to go clinical and not behavior analysis. Would you like some more whiskey? No, I just poured a f-ing glass of whiskey. Okay. Um, but so I'm looking at the list of pre-approved practical experiences and none of them sounded appealing um, there was the OBM stuff, which I was like, barf businesses, ew. Organizational behavior management. Right. For the non-nerds. Uh, sorry. Uh, anyways, not my wheelhouse at all. Not something I'm even remotely interested in. Yet you're interested in me and I do it. Okay. This anyway, is not about you. Keep going. Um, then there was the, oh, you can work at the suicide hotline. <laughs> Well, that sounds sad. It sounds and like a fun summer. It sounds like it will make me really upset because my job will be preventing people from committing suicide and I'm going to have to take that home with me. And so no you, thank you. And if you fail, somebody dies. That's exactly it. Um, and then there was this practicum which said it would pay you. And I was like, oh. Wait, did the suicide prevention one also come with like grief counseling no. if you suck at your job? Nope, it didn't. Oh, well. Um. That feels like there's like definitely baggage that comes with that if you. Yeah. Yeah. So there was this autism practicum and they said, we will pay you to do this practicum. And I was like, awesome. I can do this over the summer. Then I can work at factory card outlet. Um, Didn't you do casual corner at the same time, too? No. Oh, OK. Mm-mm. They had gone out of business at that point. Yeah. This was the summer after I worked at the county. And um, hmm. I think it was the summer before. Okay, it doesn't matter. Anyways, the second job, though, was still a factory card outlet. Okay. So I would go, I lived at home, and home was about 45 minutes away from where the practicum site was. So I get up in the morning, I would go do my practical hours, I would come home, I would go to factory card outlet. Um, But the job was working with little tiny kids who had been newly diagnosed with autism, and they were receiving um, not quite 40 hours of ABA, but somewhere between like 20... 20 to 30 hours of ABA per day. And I got put in this section. Well, wait, 20 to 30 hours of ABA a day? There's not like a day. 24 a in a day. I'm sorry. I'm going to say, damn, you're good. It's a lot of whiskey, okay. Um, so I wound up getting put in this section that had the split shift. Um, so I would have a morning kid, uh, the tail end of his morning, and then I would have a, another kid who was coming in for the afternoon section of school. And... Uh, they were completely different children, which was a good a good segue into this field because no two kids with autism are alike, and that became blatantly obvious with these two kids. Um, the the first kid though that I had, <laughs> I did not know this when I was trained on him for all of five minutes. 
he was a very, um, very routine dependent kid. And any, any deviation from his decided upon routine was met with extreme aggression and tantrums. And nobody told me this. And I didn't even know this was a thing that could happen because, again, very little training. Um, so I show up for my very first day with him and I, I walk in and I was like, hi, I'm your therapist. And he is like, no, I don't know who the f you are. And he proceeded to beat the out of me for the entire hour and a half I had him. And then I put him on the bus and I was literally bleeding and crying. And my TA was like, okay, you get to go get your other kid. And I was like, oh God, I'm so scared. Oh my God. You know what was popular around this time? What? Prodigy. The band Prodigy. So you should have driven home for your 45 minutes and just on repeat put smack my up. Yeah. Um, so then I get my second kid and this kid is a dream boat. He was super high functioning, had very, very, very few behaviors only in specific situations, which were basically having to wait for extended periods of time. He would he would act out at that point. But even then they were very minor. And I was like and he could talk. So you could have like a conversation with this kid. And I was like, wait a minute. This one beat the crap out of me nonstop all day. And then there's this one who wants to have conversations about Hagrid. <laughs> okay. Um, so after like the first week, though, like I. Wait, wait. For people who haven't read the books, Hagrid is. A Harry Potter character. Thank you. He's delightful. I'm just. He is the heart of the book uh, of the series because he's in all the books. Um, he is quite lovable. But so after the first week of literal nonstop beatings the entire time I have this first kid, I went to my TA and I was like, I think I need to drop this class. And she looked at me and she's like, no. And I was like, no, no, I'm she's I'm like, not Suck kidding. it up. I was like, look, do you see my arm? It is covered in bites. I, I can't do this for the entire <laughs> Lord, summer. You've got your arm physically out right now. I'm looking at the scratches and bites and all sorts of down your forearm and here you are in your 40s <laughs> um so she goes this is like you've got some time yet before you have to drop so just <laughs> before you have to retire no well yeah um <laughs> get used she to goes, it she goes you're gonna get in your car today and you are going to scream at the top of your lungs until you're exhausted and then you're gonna go home and you're gonna do something that you find absolutely delightful because it was a friday when i made this proclamation oh, so you're gonna go drink of not not doing anything like of, of wanting to drop. And she's like, you're going to go do something fun. Yeah. And then you're going to come back on Monday and it's going to be better. And I was like, I think you're a liar. But OK. So I left. I got in my car. It's a 45 minute drive. And I literally screamed the entire time in my little tiny green Corsica. Got home. Went on a few dates with you. Went and to the beach, I think. Went and did all kinds of fun things. I mean, it's summer. You and That's, I, like all our, here, so all our dates in that point beach. were ended up at the beach at some right. point. Maybe we dinner live on and a movie. I don't know. We live on the Sunset Coast. Everything ended up at the beach. So I go back and on Monday. Eat, so we probably had dinner at some point. I go back on Monday and I was like dreading it because I'm just thinking it is going to be more of the same. This job sucks. I never want to work with kids with autism again. <laughs> I can't stand this. I just, I hate my TA right now. I get my kid. Who's your TA? It, you're going to cut it, right? Well, I'll bleep it. It was... Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. She was nice. She's really... You have to beep that part, yeah, okay? Well. But yeah, she was nice. Um, so, I remember her. Yeah. I got my kid, and I was like, here it comes. 
And he didn't beat the crap out of me. It was only a little tiny beating. It wasn't bad. And I was able to like actually do things with him. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Okay. Um, And every day after that got a little bit better. And I suspect that my TA knew because they all of the grad students had to work at the school and they knew those kids inside and out because they they basically worked there all day well, every and day. about half the um, graduate lab came out of Western because this was at Western Michigan. Yep. And so a lot of them, uh, the majority of those Western kids, so probably 40 percent rough math, have done that practicum as undergrads. So they've been there. Yeah. They were in your seat. Yep. And now they've moved into the management role right. of the behavior analyst or the behavior. Yeah. Uh, well, but, now it would be basically a senior RBT yeah. uh, or a BCABA uh, or something ABA like that. now. But, but that none was, of these terms existed. Back no, then. they did. So they're working their way up to eventually become a BCBA. Right. Um, but they're running their first le- level of management. Yep. Over um, all these and they're learning how to write behavior programs for reduction and acquisition and all that good stuff. Um, so anyways, I suspect that my TA knew this kid takes one week to adjust to his new routine and then he calms his <laughs> and everything drops out. Um, and that you is said calm your yep. And that is exactly I'll what happened. To, and so I'm going to have to bleep by the way. I know. Anyways, I wound up absolutely falling in love with this little boy who beat the out of me. Every single day. Um, he still beat me up quite a bit when I wouldn't give him what he wanted, but not to the levels that I had seen at the at the onset. But it was it was a really, really good learning experience for me because it taught me there's different levels of functioning within the world of autism. There are different um, things that are going to be triggers for these kids to offset or set off their behaviors. There are different types of behaviors that they're going to be engaging in. So my super high functioning kid really liked to talk about Hagrid. That's all he wanted to talk about was Hagrid and Harry Potter. If I tried to have a conversation with him about, like, what did you do over the weekend, he could answer it, but then it went right back to Hagrid. Um, whereas this kid over here couldn't talk at all, but he could do things if I asked him to. So I would say, it's time to wash your hands after going to the bathroom, and he would do all the steps of washing his hands the exact same way every single time, but he could do all of the things. Um, so it was, it was a really big, like light bulb moment for me. But like I said, I fell in love with that kid. I fell in love with this kid over here. I fell in love with pretty much every single kid in that building because they were all delightful in every single way. But I also fell in love with what I was doing with them. And my favorite thing was that this first kid that beat me up was nonverbal. He did not, he barely even babbled. Well, even it makes even more sense that he was beating you up because he had, he had no way to communicate. We weren't even doing picture exchange with him. There's, there's so much going on inside his mind and he can't get it across. Yep. Um, and one day I had him in the playroom and I, he loved bubbles and I was blowing bubbles and I noticed that every time right before I blew the bubbles, he would go, ah, and I was like, Oh, that's a that's like a beginning sound. You can shape that into something else. And I I played with it for a couple of days and then I brought it to the attention of my TA and the other grad students that were in the building. I was like, hey, watch what I can do. And I showed them and they went, Oh, this is a big deal. And they they told the um the teacher that was in charge of the classroom and she was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. It's it's gonna be fantastic. Um and so that got me into the advanced practicum that I took the following semester because my my TAs were my TA was super impressed that I had figured that out. 
And um, that eventually got you also into the it, actual clinic they had right on campus. Yeah. So um, the, the following semester, I did the advanced That's where practicum. Like one, of the, one of the two people running is, that clinic just... is the pre- uh, president of the board that certifies everybody now. Yeah. But that... You know people. I do know lots of people. Um, what, and the other reason why you no, could but, do it is because you were a bad... Yeah. Well, I understood ABA. Like, it's not hard. I don't for think it's us, hard. For us, it's not Some hard. people find it very hard. I don't think that that's the case. But if you're good case. at recognizing patterns and correlations and... And you understand the chapter on shaping, like... Well, or behavior, obvious. or... Yeah. Um... But really, this kid needed to learn to talk. That was his very first sound. And all I did was figure out a way to reinforce it so that he started doing it more often when he wanted things. Um, but that got me into the advanced practicum, which I did the next the next semester. And that was really cool because they were my the, the teacher of the classroom was like, pick a kid. I don't care which one you pick. Pick a kid. That kid will be yours for the entire semester. And you are in charge of doing all of her data. You're in charge of advancing her acquisition programs. You're in charge of writing acquisition programs for her and you have to pick a behavior to reduce. And that's, that's what I did. I picked this little girl. She was delightful. She was just learning how to talk. And, um, I taught her roughly how, how old? Like four. Um, she, I taught her They're how tiny. to, she liked to dance <laughs> and she would go walking down the hallway. And Do you two have like, dance parties? No. Oh. She would be dancing and like lunging in every direction and not walking in the line. So the behavior that I was reducing was this wonky, dancey, lungy thing and teaching her how to walk in the line. Um, and so I, I was successful with my intervention there. So that was a really big deal. But also I wanted to increase her language and I wanted her to be able to recognize, um, and, and say family members' names. And so we got pictures of her mom and dad. And her dad came to pick her up one day. And we had him come downstairs. And we had him hide behind the corner. And then I, I brought her really close to the corner so that he could hear Because she had a tiny little soft voice. And I held up the picture. And I said, who is it? And she said, daddy. And he had Aww. never heard her say that word before. And everybody cried. And I'm going to cry right now. And it was just so great. So... Yeah. Um, oh my God, you are crying. <laughs> Take a sip. Yeah. So, anyways, like I, I was sold at that point. I was like ABA all the way. Woohoo! Autism, yay! This is gonna be great. And I did. What job are we on? Six. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wipe up your tears. Have a sip. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll do my job number six. And clearly, coming off of Taekwondo instructor, hot dog street vendor, babysitter computer-aided drafting technician, civil engineering tech slash field engineer slash field inspector. Um, on my way to jobs such as HME and IED SME, which is um, homemade explosives and improvised explosive device subject matter expert, or other jobs of senior life scientist or lecturer at a major university, obviously the progression would be webmaster. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So I was, uh, after my freshman year of college, uh, coming off of two years of computer programming in high school, I had to take my basic civil engineering courses and engineering courses, and part of that was learning HTML by hand. <laughs> we weren't using Dreamweaver or all sorts of programs they had back then. That was wow. a program back then. We were coding it by hand. I also had to learn, you know, glorious advanced languages, sarcasm intended, of Fortran 77. 
uh, for the different Fortran versions, uh, the number that goes with it is usually the year that it came out. So like these mechanical engineers learned a newer version, but most of the civil engineering programs were written in a very archaic old version. So we had to learn one that was a, a version of the computer programming language that was older than me <laughs> in college. But we also had to learn HTML. So I, I got a job and I was getting paid to redesign the website, um, for a few uh, entities and companies, but one of them was my parents' Taekwondo school, and I became their their tech support, their entire tech support department, and redid their website and was taking care of all that, and I got paid for it. So yeah, I was a I was a webmaster, and that's the whole story with that. And it's not as heartwarming and warm fuzzies as your story. And I wish I could fill more time so you could dry up your tears. But uh, <laughs> on to number seven of our first seven jobs, Jessica. How did you go from way back at the beginning and babysitting everything all the way to a program manager and a bad uh, behavior analyst? What was your number seven job? My number seven job was actually my placement uh, that I had at grad school. In grad school, um, I went to Florida State for the master's program. They only accept as many students as they can fully fund. You have an assistantship and you have a full tuition waiver. In exchange for that, to you, be fair, you still pay the fees. You do. So I had to pay the bullshit gym fee for the gym I never used. But you also get like <clears throat> football tickets out of that for the games we went to that you don't remember. I don't remember. We, well, we had cocktails. I know that I had pizza and drinks. That's what I remember <laughs> from the football games. I don't know what you remember. And I remember those shiny little boys in the in the garnet and gold. They glittered they, in the sun. Their names are garnet and gold. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and moving on. They glittered on. in the sun. Anyways, um, but in exchange for all of that, which was wonderful, you worked for a company called Behavior Management Consultants Inc. And you did too. I know. Oh, the royal you, all of us. Yes. Okay. Okay, but yes, you worked there, and I also worked there. Um, and the way that it worked. The company was started by Dr. Maxon Reese and Dr. John Bailey, and now, they... And Max was one of John's PhD students? Yes, she was. And she came out um, of the graduate she, lab that I was she in. She really wanted to bring ABA into the public schools because it was very much needed, and I think she started it in the 80s, 70s? Yes, 80s. 80s. Well, she the ball got rolling in the 70s. But like really big really in, way 80s. in the 80s. And then she started hiring all the people in the graduate lab that John yeah. had, all the PhD students, to work for her. And then mm-hmm. some stayed on. So a lot of her senior staff are um, doctorates coming out of that lab. But she had a constant flow of students. To students, essentially like cheap workers. labor. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the way that it worked, you went to Florida State and then you would meet with Max and she would basically review your background and your your uh, your skill set that you had. And she would decide the best placement for you. And I came from Western. I had really, really, really amazing experiences while I was there within the ABA field. Keep in mind that um, the professors, some of the professors you studied under and worked under were behavior analysts who worked for Max at her company when they were in grad school down yep. in that same lab. There is definitely a pipeline between Florida State and Western Michigan University. It goes both ways. Well, it did um, back then, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it still exists, but it for sure did then. And uh, she was like, oh, you are very well trained. You have really good grades. Okay, this is what I'm going to do with you. And um, the way that it worked was she would assign you to a public school and you would be under the supervision of either one of the PhD students or one of the full time, either master's level or PhD level uh, people that worked for the company. And 
typically what happened was you got four or five schools where you had one or two clients at each school and you had X amount of hours that you had to fulfill plus however many more you wanted to work on top of that. Well, for me, I managed to get a one school placement for my first year. I had... Lucky. Yeah. What was the requirement? Was it 10 or 20 hours? The university required us to do 10 hours a week, but like in my case, I was usually working about 40 hours a week. Yeah, no, mine. um, But anything you worked above and beyond, you just got paid straight by the company. I had 10 got paid to the university. The university paid you, but then the company gave you like you got more on top of it. Say the university paid you 10 bucks an hour, but your billable rate or your pay rate for the company was 15 you got the extra five yes. bucks from the company um but instead of instead of that and she was beyond like, that was just 15 straight for the an hour straight she for basically the said i'm gonna give you 20 hours and you're gonna work at this school in this county over here not in tallahassee and i was like uh okay well what's my other school and she goes no no <laughs> all of your hours will be at this school with this person and she will train you and i was like i only have to go to one place that's amazing she goes well it's about 30 miles away and i was like i don't care great let's go um so I went to this school and we had all kinds of clients. We had neurotypical kids who just were really bad at organizing. Like they would never turn in their homework because they were completely unorganized. Neuro- neurotypical for the non-psychologist um, it's that an, listen to our okay, podcast. So a neurotypical which is person is, majority of our audience. is a person that has no diagnosed psychological or um, Typi- neurological disorder. Typically developing. Yeah. Just a person without any diagnosed Quote unquote normal. Problem. Um, I hate the term normal. I hate yeah. the term normal. I hate the word problem. I hate all of it, but the only basic time I, terms. Okay. The only time I like normal is when we're talking about in statistics. How there's no normal amongst other statistics nerds. But anyway. Yeah. Well, that never happens. Um, for you. Anyway, <laughs> I don't like stats. Anyway. Um. So we had all these kids. I had kids with no problems, but were completely unorganized. I had kids with ADHD and I had kids. I had one kid with schizophrenia and I had um, for a brief moment in time, I had one actual diagnosed sociopath, but then he was removed from the school. Um, And then I had I had about seven kids with autism. At least the school wasn't removed from him because he burned down or something. He was targeting a kid and it was really sad. Move on with this. Let's move on the story. Then. Okay. Never mind. So I had the best boss ever. Her name is Tara and she is phenomenal. If she ever hears this, she is going to love this. Um, but Tara took me under her wing and I she, should tag her, but I won't. She took me. I might send her a message. Hand, Listen to this episode. Hand in hand. And she showed me how to do literally everything at that school involving ABA services. And I learned so much and i just absolutely adored tara i still adore her i sent her a note when i started my new job and i was like thank you so much for everything you're the best um and it made her really happy but yeah that was a really big learning experience for me and honest to god it's a really good thing it was because at the end of that year tara said we're moving to a different part of florida goodbye and i was like well you're supposed to be my boss for two years what do you mean goodbye and then i went to see my my Big boss, Max. And she goes, okay. So. Uh, the boss. Yeah. I was like, where am I going to go? Because I need somebody to supervise me because I now have to do my practical hours for my second year of grad school. And she goes, okay. I mean, you do, but you don't because you were bad. No. So that's the thing, though. She goes, okay. So you are really like everybody that has come into contact with you, loves you. Your work stands out. 
You already know how to do the thing. So I'm just going to, I'm going to give you this school. You had a a meeting at work recently and I'm like, all I can think is like, holy it's the same thing we've been hearing since you were in your 20s. Yeah. Um, She goes, I'm I'm just going to give you this school. And I looked at her and I was like, Max, you can't just give me a school. I am a second year grad student. You can't do that. I need somebody to do case management with. And she was like, just I don't have anybody to do case management with. You are out in this county over here. Nobody wants to go there. Nobody and I was wants like, to go out to the boonies. Max, I don't Florida give a boonies. You are going to give me somebody to do case management with. Banjos. Okay. And also, you have to put me somewhere else, not this school, because I had to have a variety of... You had to drive past a, uh, a uh, gas station, a truck stop with like the... The highway whore. The highway whore that was jumping in all the, the semi-trailers. Oh, um, yeah. And she goes, fine. You want case management? I will come in case management with you. And I was like, <laughs> um, Careful what you ask for. So, yeah, but that's the cool thing, though. She came she was out. A bad she came out once a week, did case management with me, kicked my when I needed it, which I did at first. Um, and then, like, but she taught me how to uh, work with administration and how to get them to do the things that they did not want to do. And that part of it was absolutely invaluable i still use a lot of those techniques today so thanks max she's not with us anymore but thank you um but after about six weeks of that she was like i don't want to go to this county anymore um this guy this phd dude over here he runs the it was called eh then the eh classrooms he's gonna do case was the Mm -hmm. label He's going to do case management with you. And I was like, um, that's all well and good for these typical kids. I need somebody that can do case management with autism. And this guy does not do autism. And he flat out told me, he's like, I, I have no idea about any of this. This is not my wheelhouse. Find somebody else. And so she she got a, actually a very good friend of mine. Her name was Tracy. Um, I had worked with I her. I wish we still lived near him, though, because he kept macaws he's at his delightful. house. And we've got a kid who loves macaws. Yeah, I know. He is a great human. Um, yes, he does. And he he's got birds. a band, too. I know. He's great. Um, but she got my friend Tracy, who I have known since undergrad. She was one of my TAs while I was doing that practicum where I cried describing it. Yeah. Um, she got I, worked her, with, I worked with Tracy, too. You did. Yeah. You know, she she's from Tracy Gaylord, to, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She got Tracy to come out to do case management. And I was like, this is the greatest thing of my life. Yay. Um. So, yeah, after... After I finished grad school, though, I signed on to work full time for BMC, and then I got a lot more training in the world of ABA. I always went into this field with the um, knowing that I wanted to work with kids with autism, um, but that's just not the way BMC worked. And so it was, well, you have your autism kids, you have a couple of home clients, but I also need you to work in the schools, and I'm going to need you to go and work with these elderly clients that are at this nursing home over here. And I need you to go and work with these older individuals with autism um, that are in this day facility over here. And you have to do all of these things. So I did that until we left in 2008 and moved away. And then I took a break. And even then, Max was mad at me because she knew she couldn't she couldn't offer anything that competed with what I was getting in D.C. and why we were leaving. And yeah. um, And you took me from her. I took you from her. She was mad at you. But she understood because we were married and she could not offer, she couldn't even offer a package that the, for the two of us where my job alone would compete with that at that point. Uh, I feel that, you know, in hindsight, um, Max was smart. Uh, Max was amazing. 
And uh, I, at, at the time when I worked for her, I was frustrated and angry with her because I felt like I was getting typecast because I was, one, I was heavier. You did, though. But I also got put in many positions where I was in the position not because of my knowledge of behavior analysis, not because my my knowledge of kids or all that. It was because I was big and male and they needed basically muscle. A, a muscle and an enforcer. And that frustrated me, and I felt like I was just hired meat. Mm-hmm. Boy, we're back to the street meat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt like I want to be—I want to be wanted for my brain and not for my body. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not a piece of meat. I'm not a piece of meat. I'm not a. Like, I'm a whole person. But I was also—I know things. I was also getting fatter and fatter, and they—they they just need somebody with mass, and I was much much bigger it's easier to block if you're bigger yes i was much bigger than the little ladies i worked with who were also very smart but at the end of the day when you know some of these clients have got some heft to them and they get some momentum and physics and you need to stop them they know how to they know the mechanics of behavior but when they come through like a steamroller, you got to be able to dig in and be cut through my because I was rest, a wrestler in high school. I was a captain of the wrestling team. I was a football player. I was a hockey player. Um, and I was just big and I was getting fatter because I was not working out and I was just doing research and working all the time. I was getting typecast and I felt offended by that in my inflated sense of self at the time. PhD student. Yeah, I know. I was complete it took, a, it took a long time to get over it. We should do an episode on Marco the... That'll be you talking the entire time. Pretty much. Because you weren't... Ju- it wasn't... You, Jessica, were not Marco the... Um, but, uh, yeah. And she... Her vision for me was you would be perfect for MR, which is uh, the term we were using at the time for mental retardation. Right. She thought I would be perfect for that. I'd be perfect for clinical work. And I'm like, I want to do OBM. I want to do organizational behavior management. I want to work in business. I know what I want. And then as my research was expanding, it was safety. And then it got into security and homeland uh, security and defense and intelligence. And I thought I had it all figured out. And, you know, here I am in my 40s and I'm looking like Max was right. Um, Maybe not about throwing me in, but constantly like, (laughs) Well, you'd be great for this position, but you're a big fat male, so you'd be uh, perfect for this one over here where they're going to like the teenagers are going to beat the shit out of you because you can take it. And it's like, but I'm smart. <laughs> <laughs> um, Please don't make me have head injuries. No, it wasn't even the head injuries. It's everything below the neck. You can just take the beatings and, yeah. the, and the other girls who, you know, are are physically can't take the beatings and they quit the field and we don't want them to quit the field. So you just go take the beatings. Um, you know, but fun in, fact. in my twenties, I was offended by it, but now it's like, you're <laughs> right. I mean, you were right. Um, I wish, I wish she was still with us today. So I could just fly down to Florida one to be in Florida. Cause it, she had, she had a nice beach. Not house now too. it's COVID. Um, <laughs> but, but just also that's the panda handle mm. too, but also go, you were right. You were right. You were so right, and I wish I had told you while you were still with us that you were right. Yeah. Um, you you had me pegged. You you knew. I, I I went and I did the defense thing. I went and did the intelligence thing. I've done the OBM thing, and I care more about kids and 
people, I mean, I, I've always cared about this stuff, but like, I think, you, I think you nailed it. Um, you're right. You might, you were probably 20, 25 years ahead of your time, but you were right. Yeah. Um, Max yeah. was definitely a force. Max was a force and Max, Max, Max was very good at her job. She was. And, and she, she is a really good teacher. And, you know, I've also said many times that the, the worst, and we did this, I think in the worst, the worst episode we did. Um, we talk about the worst things. The worst bosses I've ever had were behavior analysts because they didn't manage by behavior analysis. But in as I've grown and I've gotten the point, Max was the best of the behavior analyst bosses I had. And as I've gotten older, I'm like, holy <laughs> she was right. Mm-hmm. She was right. She she had me pegged. I thought she was completely wrong. I was wrong. She was right. Um, Max was amazing. And uh, I wish she was still with us. But uh, that was your number seven job. That was my seventh. My seventh job leading into all these things, open source intelligence analyst, irregular warfare analyst, um, chief of research and analysis, deputy site technical lead, all these exciting names. Telefundraiser, number seven for me. Telefundraiser. I was at Michigan Tech. Do tell. Yes, I was at Michigan Tech, and I took a job for the Michigan Tech Fund, which is their nonprofit fundraising arm. And I would call the people up and ask for money. And we asked, we would call alumni. We would call what they call non-degree alumni, which are basically you went to the school but you didn't graduate. So I guess technically I am you. A, I am That's a non, non-degree I'm alumnus. You haven't gotten the call from uh, Michigan Tech because I don't give them their, my phone number. I know how it works. Um, but also we'd call parents and that's God, that takes a sales, that takes some balls to call parents who just paid an arm and a leg to send their kids <laughs> to school and going, please give us more. Please give us money. You didn't go here, but you just paid tuition, but how about giving us some more money? I was exceptionally <laughs> good at the older alums because my grandfather went there. My parents went there. I had a lot of aunts and uncles and cousins who went there who were older than me. Uh, I knew the older school. My great grandfather was the coach of the hockey team back in the twenties. I knew the old, so I could, uh, I could explain like, that's what you remember. And this is how it is now. I mean, hell my mom's college roommate was my cousin, which just sounds weird. Introduced my parents. So at one point my mom's college roommate goes, you should go out with my uncle. And my mom's like, what the (laughs) is going on here? (laughs) Never mind that her uncle was like nine months older than her. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so funny. (laughs) <laughs> but I can relate back to that stuff. So I knew those folks well, and I knew knew how to get them to contribute and then also get them to put it on a credit card, which got bonus points for that. At one point, we had a boss, uh, like a supervisor, and it was another college student who was absolutely awful at her job. And this is the point where I'm making the transition from civil engineering to psychology and organizational behavior management and industrial organizational psychology. And I actually went to the the boss, who was a full-time uh, employee there, who was always there at night when we were making all these phone calls, and said, look, I can't take this anymore. Like, she's physically hitting us what? while we work. I don't want to put up with this crap. And I'm like, I'm done. She's like, you are so good at this. How would you like to be the boss? We'll fire her in a heartbeat. <laughs> How would you like to be the new supervisor? You could have had a very lovely career in telemarketing, Marco. No. But uh, I did. I, I stayed on. They did fire that person. Uh, I continued doing it. At one point, um, the baller move of the year was somebody <laughs> called my mom. We were doing alumni phone calls. Oh, no. They called my mom. They, they, they go, hey, mom? 
they got a, and my mom usually gave a little bit. And so they're on the little headset and they're like, hey, this person has the same last name as you. I'm like, that's my mom. So I went over and grabbed their headset, and not only did I talk to my mom, I also got her to increase her contribution <laughs> and put it on a credit card, which was bonus points for the night. So I also got a, a Burger King gift certificate that night for doing that. That's hilarious. Like, Holy oh, f- your you- mom! Your mom was going to contribute. She pays your tuition. <laughs> you got her to up the, the contribution and put it on a credit card. Holy f- baller. Okay, but also it's your mom. It's my mom. Did you tell her to do all of those things? No. Okay. I also I also uh, called up my cousin once and didn't know it was my cousin because my family is so big and so many of them have gone to Michigan Tech that I called up and left a message for my cousin not realizing that, like, oh, yeah, it's my cousin Kathy. That's funny. There was another one when somebody went, oh, my God, and this is back in the 90s where people were not as open-minded and everything and we're supposed to wear it. This wasn't in the 90s. This is the Odies. No, this was the 90s. Um and it was the end. It was 1999. Yeah. No. In, you weren't in, a psych student in 99. You were a civil. Well, it's when I was making the transition. 99 and OTs. Because I started in 99. It was the 99-2000 school year. Anyway, so they're like, oh, my God, it's two gay dudes. It's so-and-so and Michael. I'm like, when did they graduate? They're like, oh, in the, in the 60s. I know who that is. So I went over, like, give me the phone. So I called them up. And I got a contribution. Because... I knew my mom. My mom was one of like 20 girls who went to Michigan Tech at that time. There are no girls at Michigan Tech. Yeah, there was this one girl named Michael who the school didn't understand. They put her in the dorm with all the boys. Now, the girls went up to what they called the co-ed dorm, which is now McNair. Mm -hmm. And actually, at 10 p.m. at night, they they closed the gates and locked them in. If there was a fire, all those girls were going to die. But I knew the story of this girl named Michael who got originally put in with the boys in the 60s. And holy that was uh, so mm-hmm. this is, and she married another dude from tech or a married a dude. She was, she was a woman. So it wasn't another dude. <laughs> and so anyway, if, you know, where all these college students in the nineties and early OTs were like, what the, f-? you know, now we'd kind of like, whatever, we're all, nobody cares. We're nobody cares anymore. But at that point they were like, I, I know who this is. So I left a message and they called back and they donated. So I was very good at, Anyone who graduated before 1980, like near 100% contribution rate. Nice. Um, bad. And I just got good at conversing. And they also kept track of our stats of how long we were on the phone versus how much money we brought in. And I was able to keep that under control because I watched the clock all the time. And it kind of led into everything. It also made it easier for me to speak because I was super nervous, super shy. It opened up that conversational level. It's still, I'm still shy. Um, people don't realize this, how much internally, no, seriously, you're shooting me looks right now. I am. I am your wife. Yeah. I know things about you. Yeah, but you also know that, like, you've seen my heart rate on my Fitbit yeah. and how much my anxiety level goes up, but how I've been able to mask it and no, speak I, to people. I am also the one to sit and watch you prep before you have um, a symposium at a conference. And word for P- word. Pace back and forth. And the things that seem go like. Go over what you're going to say. Things yeah. that seem like ad-libbed and off the cuff are like... Heavily you know, rehearsed. Heavily rehearsed. Sorry, there's your secrets. But you also know the ones where like I'm there and it's like I'm ad-libbing during it and you're like, what the f***? That wasn't part of the uh, the rehearsal. Right. And then I'm Those also are the hilarious. one though that deals with you when it's time to be all done with it and you're like, I need a break while I shut down. I need to shut down. I don't want to Because I've been to- on for so long and now it's time to be off. Oh yeah. We used to go to conferences all the time and it's like... I need to not speak to anyone for like 48 hours, yep. including you. Just get me drinks and 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's the first seven. It's first seven. Th- that's how we get started. Mm-hmm. And then it went from there. Yep. So bummed the babysitting. But, actually, I forgot about it, but it bumped in and it bumped retail stock boy from Bath and Body yeah, Works off my list. You have way more jobs on your list than I do because after this job, there's like a little bit of pro bono stuff and photography stuff. And I then there's it. the job I have now. So there will pro not bono, be a part two I've for got this. pro bono research stuff, but I also have like. 25 paid positions no, I know. And titles. That's and, the point, yeah. though, is there won't be a part two unless we're only talking to you because I don't have seven more All jobs right. to do. So Whatever. This is fun. Hopefully, that for those early in their career, this inspires them. Just get your foot in the door and do Um, As my phone's ringing. Mm-hmm. Um, if those of you are in your mid-career, it's like, don't give up. There's, you know, you'll, you'll be fine. Those who are well into your career, retired, it's like, ha-ha, remember yours? I bet yeah. you have some funny stories back there. For sure. But uh, yeah, it's fun. This is where we are. But Jessica, this is this has been quite the episode. Indeed. And I'm hungry. So Me too. Eat. Time so, for lunch. This has been another episode of the Red Arrow Health and Wellness Podcast. We drop episodes almost every Monday, but they do come out on Mondays. Mm-hmm. Formerly on Sundays. Yep. Check back. This was episode 78. We got 77 other ones to listen to. But for now, it's been fun. Loads of fun. Bye. Bye.